This is a Federal News Network podcast. Like soccer superstar Megan Rapino, Congress is good at kicking things. Megan scores goals, though. Congress kicks procrastination cans down the road. Now the continuing resolution for funding the government runs until February 18th, to be exact, so you can reset the countdown clock. For what Congress will be dealing with next, here's WTOP Capitol Hill correspondent Mitchell Miller. And Mitchell, let's start with the federal workforce. That has been the subject of a lot of interest by Northern Virginia Congressman Jerry Connolly. That's right. Virginia Congressman Jerry Connolly, again, making a lot of pushes for reforms within the workforce, whether it's telework or now what he's really looking at is the new generation of federal workers. As you well know, there has been an aging process with baby boomers and a lot of federal workers leaving the federal workforce. So he has proposed this new legislation. The longer name of it is the Building the Next Generation of Federal Employees Act, or as he likes to call it, the Next Gen Feds Act. And this would do a variety of things. We'll get to telework in a second. But one thing it would do in terms of trying to recruit younger people into government is address this issue of the aging workforce by creating a new internship program. And it's much more complicated than just hiring a few more interns. They would actually create a fellowship center within the Office of Personnel Management that would actually centralize all of these internship programs, of which there are myriad throughout the federal government. And then they would get guidance on how this center could actually attract and bring in potential interns, hire more interns, get more people into the federal government. Uh, One statistic that Federal News Network has pointed out, too, is that federal agencies at one point just only about a decade ago had 35,000 interns. That just dropped in the last couple of years. Now it's down to only about 4,000. So a huge drop in the number of young people that were actually getting internship experience in the federal government. Is there bipartisan support for this bill, do you sense? I do sense that there is some bipartisan support on this. On another issue that Jerry Connolly has always pushed, as we've talked about, is telework. There is less bipartisan support there. There is bipartisan support that people do feel that they do need to get new blood, basically, into the federal government, whether it's Democrats or Republicans, are, are pretty supportive of that. On the telework issue, Connolly is again pushing agencies, making sure that they do not prohibit telework within their agencies and try to do more to get people working from home. Uh, There is some Republican skepticism still among some lawmakers at any rate that there may not be as much efficiency and productivity when people are not working actually in the office. And there's been a push on the other side of the aisle to try to get people more back into the offices. So that's an interesting dynamic as well. And then one last thing that Connolly is addressing is OPM. He is basically making a push that it be nonpartisan. Partisan. This is in reaction to several things that happened during the Trump administration. Well, I guess Jerry Connolly is a good person to call for this. He's got a lot of federal employees in his district, although, God bless him, he's no youngster. And so it must look odd to some of the young people seeing, look who's wanting us to come into government. Right. Well, that's been an issue, actually, with the Democratic Party as a whole. If you look at the Democratic leadership, Steny Hoyer, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, uh, a lot of the generational shift is about to happen here, at least in Congress and likely in federal government agencies. All right. And then 
of course, as we said at the outset, the government shutdown was averted with a vote late on Thursday. So there's a couple of more months to go now. But this had to do with the vaccine mandate was kind of tied in with the concessions that were made to get that vote through some of the Republicans. So what can we see ahead there? Well, interestingly enough, while that came up and it was averted, basically the uh, Democrats said they would allow an amendment by Utah Senator Mike Lee to put this on the floor and say, we want to get rid of this federal mandate and take away the funding for it. It fell short in part because two Republicans were actually not here in Washington. And so now it's actually going to be brought up separately this week. The legislation is actually sponsored by Indiana Senator Mike Braun. He believes uh, that he actually has enough votes to get it passed in the Senate. That's because the often wild card West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin has indicated he would possibly support this legislation, which would basically take away the federal mandate for companies that have 100 or more employees. We'll see how that plays out in the Senate. I don't think there's enough support in the House, which would be required to pass it as well. And then also there is the potential threat of the veto pen from President Biden, who no doubt would oppose this. Got it. We're speaking with Mitchell Miller, Capitol Hill correspondent for WTOP. And this discussion kind of points to the larger issue, which is the budget process that is just tied into so many non-budget related items year after year, whatever the topical issue of the year is. And so to use Washington parlance, it seems broken. You spoke at length with Senator Van Hollen. And what did he say about it? Right. Maryland Senator Chris Van Hollen, as you know, is a member of the Budget Committee. He is well-steeped in these budgetary matters, and he really does feel that this is broken. You know, you have to go back to 1996 was the last time that Congress actually got everything passed on time. So this is why we always come up, as you know, against this wall every December or late November, where there's yet another threat of a shutdown. And for a while, it did look last week like there might be a shutdown, at least for a few days. Van Hollen says it's really difficult to find any kind of solution to this because members of both parties have been at fault at times. He says it's really just a matter of political will, and there is just not the political will right now to get this done. Earlier, I've talked to Virginia Senator Tim Kaine, who has long advocated that he thinks the calendar should just be shifted and we should get away from this point where the fiscal year actually starts in October and actually move it to the traditional calendar and have it start in January. And he believes that would get us away from this constant push toward the holidays where we're always up against it, like a kid who's trying to get their homework done at the end of the semester. Well, he probably forgets that at one time the federal fiscal year started July 1st. To avert all of these issues, they moved it to October 1st. Maybe they'll come around to July 1st again. That would be interesting. I know It seems like no matter how they shift the calendar, you're always going to have them pushing up against these deadlines. And the Senate has the NDAA, the National Defense Authorization Act, and that's starting to feel a little anxious, too, because they have gotten that done by the end of the calendar year, year after year. Right. I mean, as many lawmakers like to proudly point out on the Senate side, the NDAA has been passed essentially on time for 60 years in a row, which is virtually unheard of here in Congress, as you know. And there's been some trouble with it, though. There's been a lot of pushback from Republicans with the Senate leadership on getting amendments. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer says he's provided plenty of chances 
chances for amendments. And he points out that actually there have been fewer amendments in past years when Republicans were in power than during the Democratic tenure. They seem to have made some progress at the end of last week so that we might get the gears moving again on the NDAA. And then the other issue is the debt ceiling, which of course is looming. Treasury Secretary Yellen has indicated mid-December roughly is a time that it really has to get done. They're still trying to figure out how they are going to do that. And there has been discussion, actually, of folding the debt ceiling issue into the NDAA. Some Democrats are supportive of this. Republicans seem to oppose it. So we'll have to see exactly how that plays out. That's going to be another huge issue, of course, in the coming weeks. That does seem like a lot of conglomeration of issues to put the NDAA and the debt ceiling together. They could throw in the budget and just call every year the bill and just have one big bill for everything. (laughs) Exactly. As if things aren't complicated enough right now, right? Right. And then what about the status of the BBB, the Build Back Better? I mean, that has been tossing around now. It's starting to get a little wrinkled hanging on the vine there. Right. You know, it's funny because that had so much attention for so many weeks along with the bipartisan infrastructure bill. And then when that was passed, everybody started to move on to, well, is this social spending bill, what's going to happen with the president's biggest part of his domestic agenda? That has actually been kind of pushed aside by these other issues we have mentioned. But as I talked to Senator Van Hollen, he still believes that Democrats really need to push hard on that in the coming weeks. Senate Majority Leader Schumer has set a very ambitious calendar schedule for that. He would actually like to get some real major progress on that really within the next two weeks. That seems pretty ambitious to a lot of staffers, but he would like to get some type of vote on it before Christmas. Again, this really seems like it's going to be a difficult one to have happen, especially when you have West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin again indicating that he is in no rush to get this pushed through by the holiday. So we'll have to see what happens with that over the next few weeks. And speaking of the holiday, just from a social standpoint on Capitol Hill, do they wander in and out of one another's office with eggnog, Republicans <laughs> and Democrats, or is it pretty much, you know, the divide continues despite the season of peace and joy? Well, you know, there is a relative peace, if you will, over time. But I talked again with Senator Van Hollen about this in the fact that we have January 6th coming up only about a month away. There is really a toxic atmosphere among many lawmakers between both parties as a result of what happened on January January 6th, there's still difficulty in getting a lot of these relationships, any kind of uh, comity between the two parties. Now, obviously, on the Senate side, there's a little more collegiality than in the House, but it really has made a difference here in the Capitol. A lot of those old traditions that you talk about have kind of gone to the wayside. Many of the people in the parties, you know, the Democrats and the Republicans, they kind of just huddle on their own. Not to say that there's not some bipartisan crossover here and there, but it's certainly a lot less than it used to be during the holidays here. And if you show up to one of those parties, don't wear your fur hat with horns. <laughs> right. Don't do that. All right. Mitchell Miller is Capitol Hill correspondent for WTOP. Thanks so much. You bet. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows. Hello and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, 
and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's chief of legislative affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the president and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual, actual uh, afloat commands. Uh, the first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, and then after I retired, after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm, I'm currently retired and enjoying life. And um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style? And how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I. We'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from sea to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career, but really it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Uh, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. 
you don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes, when I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories. Uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they gonna say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment and it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons and in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect, thank you. Yeah, we, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And, and I can tell you from the US Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler. And to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast, we'll see you next time. 
Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit LiveXLive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.